Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, I'm your host, Evan Satter. I'm joined by co-host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at East Satter. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. You can also follow our Locked On Suns to page you on already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support is very much appreciated, as always. We're doing it on a Thursday today because it's a Cardinals game day. We want to do a fun little episode here. Kevin Zerman, who's never been on the podcast something before. Kevin, how are you doing today? Arizona Sports, Kevin Zerman. Just waking up and getting going before the game. How are you guys? Doing great. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Hoping yeah. that this one has a little more Kyler. It seems like it will. I got like way too hyped last week for the Chargers game. Not way too hyped, but I was just expecting to see something, and we didn't really see much of anything. So <laughs> I really want this one to be good. All we know is he will play more than one series. Cliff Kingsbury's very... uh vague in his answers for most things so we'll we'll see i mean it could be even less plays if they do well in two series i don't know <laughs> let me ask you this kevin because i mean obviously the listeners know and brennan knows this i'm a huge annapolis colts fan from indiana but i'm starting to buy into the kyle murray high pretty big like i saw his first drive and i was like wow this guy's gonna be a star i know it's really overreacting the preseason but i went back and watched oklahoma too i'm like this guy looks special to me if he, if he does good tonight, I'm probably going to buy myself a single game ticket or two just because I'm really in on Kyler Murray right now. I thought you were going to say a jersey for a second. I was like, damn. <laughs> no, I might get to that point. I don't know, but I'm very much in on Kyler Murray. What do you think, Kevin? You've been up close with them over camp throughout ever since Kyler Murray's been there. What's it been like just being around Kyler Murray and like the star aura? It seems he's already percolating around the city. Yeah, I mean, the cliff part goes into it a lot as well where – they brought them in together. They're a package deal, it seems like. I mean, they're tied at the hip. They're success or failures. And when you watch them just practice, it's not rookie stuff with him. It's he's the one who knows the offense better. Like Larry Fitzgerald is going up to him and asking him questions about the offenses. So from that perspective, he doesn't look like a rookie. I think he's going to have issues. Obviously, he's going to have to learn how quickly windows close, how his legs can and cannot get him out of problems because he's probably used to just relying on them a lot um guys are faster at this level obviously so i think from that perspective there's going to be a learning curve reading defenses all that stuff but yeah i mean you buy the hype because he doesn't have to overcome all these issues he knows the offense coming in it's language might be different play calling through headsets instead of signals is different but i mean he's he knows it and he's going to be off to a fast start from that perspective Okay, so one of the things I wanted to do with this was just f- for my own, my own recollection. I don't, I didn't remember a time. I mean, Booker's already entering year five, so it's not quite the same uh, as far as like they're bo- they're not both rookies. But just the hype of Kyler got me thinking about when there was a, a time in in Arizona sports, like relatively recent here history. I just did my lifetime because I don't really feel like. I can say anything before that, but so I thought about Matt Leinart because that was a time that was a thing that happened here. Uh, there were no the Suns team that year had no rookies. That was 2006. So I was like, okay, but the Diamondbacks had Stephen Drew, Miguel Montero, and Carlos Carlos Quinton all rookies that year. So that was close. And then I had 04, which was Fitz's rookie season. That was the closest one that I could come to with Suns and the Cardinals. So that was. Fitzgerald year one and Amare's third season. So that that was like kind of, I mean, obviously that was the the beginning of seven seconds or less. So Fitz wasn't like incredible as a rookie right away, but you knew. I remember 
being really excited about him as like a child. And so I felt like that, that was close. Okay. Then 2012, we had probably the best on all three teams. So that was Goldie's breakout year. And then Markeith Morris, that was his rookie season, which, okay. Like third pick 13th pick. I think he was like, it's not the most special thing in the world, but like, I remember that was an exciting time because he was from Kansas and people knew who he was. And then that was Patrick Peterson's seven interception second season. So I think that is the closest of 2012. I mean, we'll, we'll see what Kyler actually does, but just in terms of the excitement level right now, Kevin, can you remember, do any of those years ring a bell? And can you remember a time recently where there was two young guys right in the middle of kind of the, the hype machine heading into the, the start of their careers? I You asked me this coming on to today, and I had to go back, I think, 20 or 2002, 2003 with Amari and then Anquan Bolden, actually. I mean, okay. I think Anquan's rookie year, Anquan's rookie year was really good. I think he went for 1,300 yards, something like that. And then obviously Amari had a, you know, he flashes rookie season. And then I think second year, he, you know, you knew he was going to be good. So I think, I mean, I was a kid then kind of, so I was, I was really paying attention and I'm from here. So I think that's for me when it was there were two young guys that were just that exciting where you're like these guys are going to be stars and I I still love Anquan Bolden to this day so um obviously Amari's that speaks for itself so I think I had to go back to then I mean the Goldie the Goldie thing is a good point with Pat P but yeah I guess I, I went that far back yeah I, I remember the first football jersey I ever got was Anquan Bolden and then when he went on past the Cardinals and had success with a few different teams that was awesome for me so that's a good one I, I didn't even think to go that far back but I guess Evan is there so you're you didn't live through all those teams but was there a time where you remember being across the country and knowing of two Arizona sports stars who were uh being talked about to the degree that these two guys are I mean I guess Booker to be honest like he's kind of not being talked about or he's being talked about for the wrong reasons but are there has there been another year or a period of time Evan that you remember it being like this yeah, I think as far as Arizona goes, because really when I was in my childhood, it was Peyton Manning everything in Indiana. But I think one thing for me that stood out just because I don't know why it's ingrained in my head, but there's a Steve Nash like milk curtain thing or like a milk poster in my middle school. So he was really like a star player. This is during his back-to-back MVP campaign, I believe. Like he was a transcendent guy in the NBA at that point, at least for in Indiana, at least he was one of the guys that we talked about a lot. Just Steve Nash is one of them too. And I think Larry Fitzgerald obviously is really far back at this point, but Peak Larry Fitzgerald, like five years ago, when they went to the NFC title game, went to the Super Bowl. That was, I've never seen a receiving performance like that over a playoff run. I don't know if those are together or not, but I, it just seems like those two guys are the transcendent guys of the sports. And I think we're on today's show, we're kind of getting to the point where I feel like Booker and Kyler Murray had the chance to maybe pass that torch to those guys. And it, it's interesting just to talk about that because I don't know, it's crazy to say that Kyler Murray is only 10 months younger than Devin Booker, and Booker's been in the league for five years already, which is crazy. <laughs> But yeah, football is weird. Yeah, I think it speaks what you're saying to me speaks to the fact. So like the guys that broke through for you were like the very best years of their career, not really young guys. But like you turn on TV if you're following the NFL and there will be a Cliff and Kyler discussion at some point. I mean, that's unique in and of itself. And like I said, I don't think that that's really there with Booker. And so maybe, you know, this season will be maybe we could check in again on it. I mean, that would be fun to to see where it goes. But yeah, it's it's exciting to think about. Uh, I don't know if either of these teams will be particularly great, but I just 
yeah, like you said, Kevin, I mean, it might, it might be, that's actually probably an even better one because the, the rookie seasons, because Amari won rookie of the year and Bolden got off to that crazy start. So it's been almost two decades since, since there was something that could kind of compare to this. And uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you think comes for, what, what are your kind of expectations for Kyler? Do you think he hits the ground running in a way that, that this momentum keeps, keeps going through the season? Or do you think uh, maybe in three, three months, if we were to reconvene, it might not be quite as bullish? Um, that's a tough question. I think he's going to have his struggles. Definitely. Um, I don't think it's going to be, you know, the offense looks completely terrible because it couldn't look worse than what it looked like last year. Um, and that wasn't Josh Rosen's fault, but I think, they're going to be exciting at the very least. Um, I think Cliff is, I mean, he's keeping everything very under the vest right now and they're not showing much, but just watching practices, you can see their wrinkles and how you hope that those wrinkles are game planned in versus specific opponents. So I I think he's going to be all right. I think he's going to have a lot of mistakes and he's going to learn from them, but he, he seems like a really, straightforward calm guy and I don't think that something can go especially terribly wrong now if the offensive line is just banged up and injured like it was the last few years then um, there are going to be questions about whether you just pull him and put him aside or something like that because I mean I don't think that's out of the question so I think things can go bad but I'm I'm buying the stock right now as far as Kyler himself do you think the Suns can do enough to, to maintain the excitement that we would oh actually boy. be comparing these two guys? Like if Kyler is like in the offensive rookie of the year conversation and they win like, you know, five or six games and are just like a fun competitive team this year. Do you, th- do you think the Suns are going to be able to do enough to even be uh, talked about in the same way that Booker you know would what? be there? Yeah. I mean, you know what? I think like these two teams and even the Diamondbacks to some degree are kind of in the same boat where they all kind of, are reshaping things, but they have young faces. Like they have each have a guy who you can root for as a star player, whether they get a lot better, I don't know, but I think, yeah, I, I think the Suns at least, I mean, if you guys have listened to our podcast, me and Kellen, we're, we're just down on it because the West is tough. Um, But you just hope that the Suns can compete. And that's kind of when I talk about the D-backs, like, that's what you hope for the Cardinals. That's where you hope for the Suns. That's what you hope for the D-backs. That's this weird market that we're in. I think this is this might be a controversial way to end this this uh, first segment here, but I don't know if you guys saw the Arizona Sports Zone, their Twitter account. They tweeted out a poll, I think, four or five days ago. Who would you rather for the next 10 years, Kyler Murray or Devin Booker? I'm going to get a lot of flag for Sands, but I voted for Kyler Murray just because I think the NFL quarterback, if he hits his peak, he's going to be a lot more valuable. Booker, obviously, there's going to be a lot of things that happen in the next 10 years, but I voted Kyler Murray. Brent, I'll start with you. Who would you rather have for the next 10 years? Kyler Murray, who hasn't played an NFL game, so it's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, or Devin Booker? I'm going to go with Booker, and that's part of the reason that I think this is not a perfect match because it would be way more fun to have had Kyler right in the uh, – I guess he would have come before Booker just because of the way the NFL season works, but to have both of those guys at the same time would have been awesome. Uh, but I think we just know more about Booker right now. So, But it is cool, too, to think like – Obviously, the quarterback's the most important position in football. That's part of the reason he's getting so much attention and just the way the league is changing that allowed him to kind of become a number one overall pick with everything that came before him. But it's but also Booker, because, I mean, we've all seen the pieces that are comparing him to Harden and talking about these 
big shooting playmakers that are taking over the NBA. So I think Booker being kind of the a new generation of NBA player too is is another kind of connection there. But it would be Booker just because we've seen we've just seen him for four years. Where would you lean on that, Kevin? Would you would you buy in the Kyler Murray hype right away right now, or would you be on the far side with Booker here? I I would just go with Booker, like Brendan said. You know what you're getting, and because I don't know what Kyler is, I'd just take the guy who I know. If I if I had to choose, that's going to be better for uh, the Suns fans and this city because I mean the Cardinals have had their success in the last whatever you can remember. The Suns really haven't, so I'll I'll go with Booker. I think you know if he's good for ten years, I would take that. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up there, and hopefully the Suns snap out of here soon. And I'm definitely going to actually watch all the Cardinals game tonight on TV here. But before we go on to our next team, we're going to dive into our all-decade teams and some more Suns discussion here. I want to tell you, everyone, really quickly about our Locked on NFL show. The new Locked on NFL is on fire. Last week, it was one of the most listened-to NFL shows. With the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson, hosted by Brian Peacock, Locked on NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL, matching each take on the game. Follow Locked on NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. Hey, real quick before we go to the next segment, I mean, we're going to talk about all decade teams with Kevin here, but where did that poll finish with Kyler and Devin? I thought it'd be closer just because I'm just so in on Kyler Murray, as you guys can probably tell, but almost 70-30, 69-31 for Booker. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I think people just, they know what they're getting already, and they've already had four years of seeing him do great, great things, but... Let's move on to these all-decade teams. And I'll start with you, Evan. We interpreted it differently, but I think it actually is worth uh, worth doing. So you did just the five guys from the 2010s that are the best at each position, right? So give us that team, and then I'll, uh, I'll do my, my own second team here. Okay, yeah, this is actually really tough for me. Just I know like three or four of these guys were easy locks for me, but I was surprised like for a couple of these guys where I had them on my top five here, but I'll go point guard to center here. Point guards, Goran Dragic. I knew Steve Nash was the last couple of years of his career. He had an all-star appearance, but Dragic had a, a top five, top six, seven MVP t- type of season in 2015. And that was a good season for him. So that gives Goran the lead over Steve Nash here for my point guard spot. Devin Booker is my shooting guard. I, surprisingly enough, I want TJ Warren as my small forward just because I think He's been the most consistent son they had over the last four or five years. Maybe Mikhail Bridge or Kelly Bray eventually takes that spot, but just too early to say that. So I'd go TJ Warren. He'll give you easy buckets. My, my four spots, PJ Tucker, who's one of the most loved sons, I think, I, since I've been covering the team over the last three years. He's my four there. And then DeAndre Aiden's the easy center for me. Okay, yeah. I, Aiden, Aiden and Booker both being so prominently involved when I did this was very uh, worrisome to me because they are the two cornerstones of a 19 win team which is for anyone uh keeping track the worst team in this decade that this team has or that this organization has put out there but i'll start us off actually kevin why don't you start us off so you did it the same way i did uh your your second team here my second team yeah we'll start with second team and then go to first team in the next segment yeah um i have goran 2013-14 um i actually you can guess who might be first team there and I had Bledsoe from 13-14 just because uh, I am I was pro Bledsoe playing shooting guard. And he okay. wasn't hurt then yet. Um, and that worked. If you remember, they won 48 games. I kind of cheated. I was not hot on the small forwards. And I kind of went back and forth to TJ Warren making this. But I went Jason Richardson and pushed him. Um, I thought about from, doing that too. 
yeah, 10, 11, he had a really good season briefly um, before he was out of there. Power forward Channing Fry, and then I had DeAndre Ayton at center. Yeah, we are very uh, lucky to have had that last 10, 11 season here because that, <laughs> that, really, that really helped us out. Uh, I just uh, pretended kind of in this exercise like 2014 through 2018 basically never happened because um, none of – I think I have one player <laughs> season from that entire stretch of time, with the early Ryan McDonough era. But my second team, I went 10-11 Nash, who that was like his last good season. He had over, I think, 12 assists a game and was near 50-40-90 again. Then I had 16-17 Bledsoe, which is the infamous year when he was almost like kind of an all-star level guy and then got benched. 17-18 TJ I went with, which is just gross, but I had to come up with somebody. Again, the small forwards are not great. Then I went 13-14 Markeith Morris. I w- it was down to the wire for me between him and Channing Fry, uh, but I, I Keith, I just you know a little more efficient, a little bit better passer. Well, I, I think you could you could go either way there. That thirteen fourteen is like half of these guys for me, uh, and then I went center. I went eleven twelve. Uh, Marcin Gortat. He had a that was like his best season as a son, and uh, again a little depressing to think that Gortat is the second best center to play on the Phoenix Suns for the past ten years, but. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's where we are here. I think, uh, how, what, what is it? Okay. Let's, let's dig into this TJ thing because it's crazy to me that you could have a season that empty be the second best small forward season, uh, for the past 10 years. I mean, what Evan, like you, you saw most of TJ Warren's career being here. Mm-hmm. What, how will we remember him? Like what, what is the oh. legacy of TJ Warren in Phoenix? Um, mysterious injuries, didn't like talking to the media much, and he was a great scorer and a horrible defender. It was a very interesting career, to say the least. And just by listing and hearing all your guys' uh, second teams there, just it, it, the last nine or ten years of Suns basketball has not been the, the best, to say the least. Yeah, it's really crazy that TJ Warren scored 19.6 points a game crazy, yeah. in an NBA season. <laughs> uh, that That was very much kind of forgotten in an instant what do you what are you going to remember of tj warren kevin ah i mean he wasn't like evan said he wasn't really available um whether you talk about injuries whether you talk about to the media i i didn't include him on either of these teams and i feel bad almost but i don't because i I just don't know how empty his stats will be. Like, I want to see him on the Pacers definitely this coming year, but I just never got great vibes from him as far as, you know, he loved basketball, but I never could tell if he wanted to be here and to this to discredit the Suns on that too. They never really found him a, a place here and found out how to use him accurately. Like, I think Igor did his best, but I mean, yeah, I – I'm really curious. This is kind of like Bledsoe leaving where it's, it's, I want to see him on a good team and see if he can thrive on that. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a test, right? I mean, there's a lot of guys and I don't think we have any reason to doubt TJ got better. I think over the course of his five seasons here without a doubt, and especially the three point shooting kind of coming out of nowhere last year, at least making open catch and shoot shots was something I, I wouldn't have even guessed he could do. So he deserves credit there, and I think it's obvious that he's passionate about the game, but 
it's a test this year. I think it's fair to say that to see what, you know, how, how, where, where does that take you? Where does the passion about basketball and getting better take you? Because if you can't, if he can't buy in on a good team and, and actually win, then I think it, it's fair to doubt kind of what he, what, what place he holds in the league. Like that, that's the type of guy that is kind of dying out a little bit. And I think it's up to him to make himself useful to that Pacers team, which could be a top four team in the East. But Kevin, this conversation actually takes me to something Evan and I haven't even covered. And I want to get your thoughts on it too, Evan, but the Alex Len story from this week of guys that didn't quite feel like they were maximized here and uh, went elsewhere and kind of got better or at least became more comfortable and and felt more part of a, a real organization. What did you make of that, uh, those those comments from Len? And do you agree with him, with him specifically, that, that it would have made a difference? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's the same thing with TJ because TJ kind of made those same type of like it, it wasn't a great situation over their comments and every lots of people who have left, I mean, through the McDonough era kind of made those comments. And, you know, I think it's stability. If you're firing coaches every year, if you're firing GMs, then they just don't trust you as an organization and they don't know how to use you and it changes every year and you can never find footing. And I think that's why teams like the Spurs, et cetera, are so successful because they can just, roll new guys in, they have expectations there. And, you know, I think developmentally too, like just from the basics, if you don't keep a developmental staff to keep working on the same things and you're not going to be successful, um, especially when McDonough is drafting these guys who are 19, maybe played a year in college. So yeah, I, I, I don't fault him for saying that. I think if you go to the Hawks even and you're saying that and you're not winning a whole lot of games either, then yeah, I mean, he has a point. Evan, you wrote that up for Brightside. What did you make of it? I was kind of surprised at first because I just didn't think Alex would be that much of a player if he went elsewhere. But, I mean, when you saw it last year, he took over 200 threes, took about 12 total in Phoenix with over four years, and he tripled or quadrupled that, even more than that, with Atlanta, which is – I think just kind of goes to show, like, if you want to do something, just let the guy do it. Don't try to restrict him anything. Because I think Alex Len, he has the chance to be a, a guy who sticks around Atlanta because he's going to be the starting center this year. But – I found his comments surprising. It's kind of just showing us more and more as we hear TJ Warren, Alex Len, all these players say it's just how bad it seems like from the inside the McDonough era was, just how maybe it was just chaotic and not much structure involved, which is kind of, I think, why they did what they did. Robert Sarah did last year in firing him. So really an odd portion of the season, right before the season started. Yeah, to me, I mean, it's it's not surprising necessarily to see guys who are vets say it. You know, Eric Bledsoe having been with the Clippers, being in the playoffs, or, uh, you know, the Morrises being all across the league at this point in several different spots, you know, they don't necessarily deserve to uh, criticize anyone else for how things were handled in Phoenix because they did plenty of damage f- for themselves, but that makes sense. But to, to hear the young guys go to, you know, their very next team and already feel like that's a breath of fresh air compared to what was going on here. It, I think that is a really damaging thing for the perception. I mean, that's already been out there for a while, but to hear, some a role player like Alex Len still feel so adamant about it was was kind of surprising to me. But to recap the second teams, I had 10-11 Steve Nash, 16-17 Bledsoe, 17-18 Warren, 13-14 Markeith Morris, and 11-12 Gortat. I think, Kevin, you had the 13-14 backcourt, Dragic and Bledsoe. Then you had 10-11 Jason Richardson, 13-14 Fry, and 18-19 Aiton. Is that right? Uh, 10-11 Fry, but... 10-11 Fry, okay. Yeah. All right. So 
There's, I mean, there's some good players. Like when you only have to pick 10 guys from 10 years, it, it, you can make a pretty good roster. But before we go on to our last segment here and give our first teams, I want to tell you about a, a sponsor of today's show, and that is Manscaped, the number one brand in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen Manscaped on Shark Tank, Men's Journal, uh, which named them their top tool in men's grooming, their lawnmower 2.0 as the best tool in men's grooming. So to get 20% off that product and others, along with free shipping, you're going to type in the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. That's manscaped.com. Go to the website and type in locked on as your promo code to get 20% off and free shipping. I, as, as you guys know, I did just the all decade team there for those five guys. So I'm curious to hear what you guys have for your first team. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll start us off for this one because uh, I had Dragic in 13 and 14 for my first team, which Kevin had for his second team. Uh, and then I had 18, 19 Booker, 13, 14 Tucker, 10, 11 Jared Dudley, which was his best season as a son. He was actually super duper efficient that year, shot like in the low 40s, three point percentage and had some... Uh, actual defensive impact on a decent team that year. And then DeAndre Ayton's uh, rookie season was filling that out for me. What did you have, Kevin? So I actually had a couple 10, 11 guys. Steve Nash uh, made my first team just, I don't know, he makes people better. That could go back and forth with Dragic. Um, Devin Booker is pretty easy from last year. I, I apparently gave up on small forward because I just put Grant Hill from 10-11, even though he's pretty old then, but he had a decent season. Grant Hill was pretty good. <laughs> um, power forward, I slid P.J. Tucker there from 14-15, and then this is another back and forth where I could have picked Aiton, but I went marching Gortat from 10, or sorry, 11-12, and I don't know. I'm not super confident on the Gortat over Aiton, but a vet over a rookie, I guess I'll take that. Yeah, I cheated with P.J. Tucker being uh, a small forward there. He was really a four, but, you know, if we're thinking about a real team, him and Dudley in the on the wing at the forward spots is is definitely doable. But it's cra- it was crazy to me. My takeaway from making this first team, and Tucker specifically, was to go back through and see how good he was, even as a son. He was like a genuinely good player, like making a you know advanced stats impact and helping the team even when they were awful, that was, I guess I just didn't realize how many seasons he had at that level in Phoenix. I just think of him so much now with the Rockets. Yeah, that's crazy. Just cause I think Tucker, now you see on the Rockets, like you mentioned, he's one of the more versatile defenders. He's a guy who can shoot the three. He's gotten a lot better shooting the three too, which is a great sign, but I was kind of clamoring. I know Kevin, you were on this train a little bit when PJ Tucker was sort of pseudo available this summer when they were trying to clear some cap space. I think PJ would have been a, a nice addition to this roster, but unfortunately it didn't happen there. What, what's your thoughts just on the PJ Tucker area here? Because I feel like if the Suns were actually good, he would have gotten a lot more notoriety. I, I honestly think you throw him on last year's team, any of these teams, that honestly they might win three or four more games. I mean, win shares are what they are, but just how he impacted the game, it was so unique. And just, you know, he'd crash offensive rebounds, get tip-ins, win defensive battles. I mean, that's, I think they've missed that type of player ever since they traded him. And even when the last few teams, well, pretty much all the teams he was on were not very good. Um, he won them a lot more games than people gave him credit for. And I think you saw that in just 
how many times the Suns got blown out. I don't think P.J. Tucker, I know this is talking like tough guy stuff and not just skill, but I think he would have at least done something about that and made a point to his teammates. So I think that's something that they missed a lot. Yeah, to me, he's he's kind of what they were hoping Jared Dudley would have been on that second, that three-year deal, or the that 2016 summer, right? I think that's uh, what, if, if they had, I mean, there wasn't really an opportunity to get Tucker. I think he was choosing that summer between Toronto and Houston. He was, wasn't going to come back here, but uh, I agree. Like he would have been a guy who actually could have been a, a difference maker culture wise and played an impactful basketball on top of that. And I'm, I, I'm excited too. I mean, not to get too deep down the PJ Tucker rabbit hole, but him being on team USA and getting that recognition is awesome. And, to, to go back to our last segment, like he's a guy who I, I don't think has ever spoken poorly of his time here, at least that I've seen and, and really continues to like talk up Devin Booker. And I think looks back fondly as being that veteran when the team was rebuilding. So, I mean, he also had that 13, 14 year to, to make him feel a little bit better about things and actually have some success. But uh, he's definitely somebody that I, that I got, got a lot of respect for. How easy, Kevin, was the 18-19 Booker season here? I mean, is that the best individual season of, of any player on, on this team the past decade? I guess, man, Nash is what he is, but Drogic's season was still pretty good. But yeah, I mean, I think Book's at that level where he's pretty clearly the number one. Um, I, I, yeah, I think that's pretty easy from a 22-year-old. That's, that's, that's good. Yeah, it's crazy. Just Booker's only 22, like we mentioned at the top of the show. He's only 10 months older than Kyler Murray. What What's your guys' expectations? I know Brent and I have hit on that a ton, so Kevin, I'll toss it your way first before we close up the show. Just what are your overall expectations for your five, Booker? Um, I I just expect improvement now. I mean, he's he's done it each and every year, and sometimes you don't know where that's going to come from. But, you know, sometimes we're like, all right, we got to pump the brakes a little bit just to be sure. And then he comes out and he averages almost seven assists per game last year. And it's like, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't put a limiter on what we expect from him. So, I mean, is that pushing 30 points? Is that getting seven assists, even though he has a real point guard next to him? Um, is that improving from three? I think all three of those things are easy defensively, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I, I am done putting expectations on hold for him. I think he's that good. Um I don't know if it'll translate to wins, but that's going to be more about what's around him. Yeah, in my default stance, we've we've done the Booker versus all these other young guards discussion on here, and we've done tons of analysis of what his season could be. And to me, it's just like I'm ready for him to just show me whatever he's going to do. Like I, I agree with you, and just that it's like he's already shown the talent and uh, improvement and development every single season. So to me, it's just kind of. I'm ready to sit back and watch it. And that's an awesome feeling as a, a bystander of, of this game and of this team is just, again, going through these teams, like not something we have felt all that often. So uh, I'm, I'm super looking forward to it. And this was a fun episode. I'm glad you could come on uh, Kevin, and kind of merge your two areas of local sports expertise here, but uh, you can follow Kevin and his work over at Arizona Sports. And we will be back tomorrow with Cole Zwicker of the Stepian. We can go ahead and unveil that now. He is a special guest, if you did not see on Twitter, to recap the Suns offseason and everything uh, that has happened since we last talked to him right after the draft. So 
Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow for our next episode.